Hello and welcome to All Things Urticaria from Medthority. In this series of podcasts, our host, Professor Marcus Maurer, is joined by his friends and colleagues to discuss All Things Urticaria. Over to Professor Maurer. Hello and welcome back to another episode of All Things Urticaria. My name is Marcus Maurer. I'm here at the UCARE in Berlin. UCARE. Urticaria Center of Reference and Excellence. This is a podcast series by UCARES for UCARES and everyone else who's interested in urticaria, has urticaria, treats urticaria. And in this episode, we will talk about cholinergic urticaria. You have never heard about cholinergic urticaria? Well, I have with me Sabine Altrichter, who knows more about cholinergic urticaria than anyone else I know. Hello, Sabine. Hi, thanks great. for inviting me for well, participating great. today to this podcast. Great to have you on board. Sabina, I have so many questions about cholinergic urticaria. Maybe uh, you could just give us a brief description what makes this urticaria so special, what makes it cholinergic. So actually, this is a very special form of urticaria. So usually people will get uh, symptoms with very small and itchy wheels every time they get sweating. So whenever they get hot or whenever they exercise or if there's any other um, situation when they develop sweat, then they will get these symptoms. And it's so, really, yeah. Is it, is it a sweat allergy then? So actually it's not a sweat allergy per se. So the people are not allergic to their sweat or although maybe to some components of their sweat, but um, it's more that the action of sweating is leading to the symptoms. So is, it, is this something that makes people really sick in that they have massive problems with this? Or how does, how does this play out in daily life? Does that mean you can no longer do anything that makes you sweat without breaking out in hives? So actually I would say, yes, there are some patients who are really severely affected and they cannot lead a normal life because they will have the hives several times a day, especially if it's a hot day uh, in the summertime or whenever they do just a little bit of exercise, uh, they will get the hives. So for some patients, it's really burdensome, but there's also a broad spectrum of patients and there will be some patients who will be only very mildly affected, who will only get a few symptoms upon really extreme exercise or extreme sweating situations. So it's a broad spectrum and actually, my experience is it's not so rare. I don't know, Marcus, have you seen a lot of patients too? I've seen a lot of patients and, uh, you know, from my recollection, and I guess that's also in the, in the literature, in, including the many papers that you write about cholinergic urticaria, these are mainly young people, right? These are young adults, uh, teenagers, um, more men than women. Is that the only urticaria where men are more often affected than females? I'm not sure, you know more. Yeah, I also don't know. Um, so actually, I have about 50-50. So okay. um, it's at least more, let's say, than in other forms of urticaria. So it's uh, pretty equal what on the patients that I see with this uh, form of urticaria. But why, why are these patients on average younger than patients with other forms of chronic urticaria? Is that something you know? 
Or Actually, it's something we do not understand fully at the moment. So usually patients will start with the disease in uh, late puberty, early adolescence, so around 16 to 20. Mm. And it keeps on going for quite a while in most of the patients. So for one or two decades, maybe. Yeah, That's so it's very long. You yeah. Know, I, uh, in most other forms of urticaria, including chronic spontaneous urticaria, we have also no good data, but sort of the idea that this is a disease that on average lasts five to seven years, we often tell our patients. Um, so it's longer in cholinergic urticaria. So there's also really no good data upon it, I have to say. So I, it's one of the least understood uh, or and also investigated forms of urticaria. There are definitely forms that are better um, understood, especially chronic spontaneous form of urticaria is much better understood than this form of urticaria with, that is inducible. Um, but uh, the patients, at least that we see in the specialized center, are usually patients who have it for really a long time. But you do tell your patients this will go away eventually. Yes, and uh, we also see that when we follow patients for a long time, that it gets milder and better in most of the patients. Sabine, a long time ago, um, we used to tell patients with cholinergic urticaria, especially the young ones, um, if you do physical exercise, if you get yourself to sweat, then that will protect you um, for a day from experiencing these symptoms. Is that still something that is being done? Does it even work? Has that ever been looked at, researched? So a good research or good studies actually are not available here, but uh, there are some patients who report that. If, if, you, if I ask them, so there are some patients who say that this is working. So they do a lot of exercise, for example, in the morning so that they are protected through the day or can even go to the disco in the evening. Not yet at the moment on Corona, but usually. Um, but there would also be a good proportion of patients, I would say at least half, if not more than half, who say that this is not working for them. So even if they had an outbreak of hives, they can even have a second one on the same day. Mamma mia, okay. Yeah, so. So, so what do we do? I mean, we follow the algorithm, antihistamines uh, um, and so on. Is there something special in cholinergic urticaria that maybe only works in cholinergic urticaria or especially well in this disease? What do you do? So actually my experience is unfortunately antihistamines work especially bad in this mm. form of patients. Yeah, so they um, only say that if at all, it has a very mild effect on the itch component, but not mm. so much on the wheeling at all. And so the patients are generally very unhappy with antihistamines, at least the ones, as, as I said, that I see in a specialized center. And, and why is that? Are we blocking the wrong receptor? Is it maybe not even histamine at all? Um, we know that mast cells are involved. Uh, I think that's a dogma that uh, hasn't been challenged yet. And of course, mast cells release many mediators that make you itch, make you have wheels. Um, what do you think? I mean, you looked into the skin. You, you, you know what's happening. What, what's your money on? Yeah, so I think it's a it's a complex disease and it's definitely something to do with the sweat gland, I think. So there must be some sort of interaction of the mast cell and the sweat gland. I mean, also the name cholinergic urticaria, that's something 
that comes from uh, transmitters that are released to activate uh, the mass, uh, the sorry, the sweat glands. So it's mm. actually acetylcholine that would be mm. a transmitter that activates um, the sweat gland to produce the sweat. And maybe, and it's also seen that if you inject this into the skin, that can also provoke wheels, at least in some of the patients. Yeah. So it seems that this is a uh, something is happening there that is in the interaction of the sweat gland and the mast cell. I see. Well, you work a lot with our friends uh, in Japan. The Japanese UCARES are very active in cholinergic beautic area research. And one of the things that came out of this work is that some patients with cholinergic beautic area don't sweat. Uh, yeah. Does that make sense? I mean, how can you link uh, the sweat or the sweat inducing activity as an inducer of the wheeling and at the same time there are patients who are hypohydrotic or even unhydrotic they, they can't sweat at all in certain regions of their body yeah ex this is exactly the point they usually can sweat in in some regions and in some they can't so and there was a, there had been seen an association of the regions that are not so well able to sweat and the and the areas of the body where the symptoms occur so as i said unfortunately it's not so well understood but it, it seems that it, there really is a problem with the sweat the, the normal sweating behavior and this makes somehow an activation of probably nearby mast cells because this is also why the wheels are so small and it could be it's very possible that, that this is really in the close proximity of a sweat gland where these mast cells uh, are then activated because something is going wrong in the sweating process. It's, it sounds like you're so close to figuring this yeah. out, yet you're missing a couple of pieces of the puzzle. That's um, true. That's so true. Unfortunately, yeah. It's and and that's. Um, I I mean, we really try to work on this, and I really hope we can uh, solve this whole puzzle and riddle a bit better, because once we better understand the disease, I think we can also make a big step forward, a really better treatment of the patients. Well, the best of luck to you, those patients out there. They deserve better treatment or they need better treatment option. Look, I also know that you are working on uh, helping patients and physicians to better measure cholinergic urticaria. Uh, it must be incredibly difficult to uh, put a number to the disease activity in a urticaria patient who only develops this when they do physical exercise or uh, eat spicy food. How, how do you do this? It's a, uh, is that a process that um, uh, has an end? Do we have tools that can help us? Uh, and, and if so, how do we use them? Yes, actually, it, it's a really important thing to have such tools. I mean, maybe not for uh, everyday life, but it's super important if you want to develop new drugs for these patients because you have to measure if something works or doesn't work if you try something new in these patients. So it's super important to have this and we really put a lot of effort in it to develop tools so that we can do it. We have developed a special diary for these patients so where can they document their symptoms every day. Um, we have also developed specific quality of life instrument tools so where we can really measure how much their daily life is impaired by this disease and we have also 
developed a provocation method, a very standardized provocation method that everyone can or every patient can follow and can also follow several times, for example, during changes of their therapy. Uh, so that then there can be a physician present uh, that really has uh, the ability to have the symptoms assessed in this standardized provocation test setting. And so patients can be um, grouped into mild, moderate, severe disease, depending on, on the symptoms that they get uh, when they do the provocation testing. And also very interesting, we can very closely monitor how well they sweat when they start the onset of sweating and when they start the onset of the symptoms. So this really helps also to have a grading of patient severity here. Very and, I, and I really think that this will help to get better treatments tested for these patients. Yes, I think that you're absolutely right. That is one of the challenges. How can you measure if a new treatment is effective um, if you can't measure disease activity? Uh, and, and that was a long time ago also the problem with chronic spontaneous urticaria before these tools were developed, the urticaria activity score and the urticaria control test and so on. So great that we are now getting such tools also for the... Uh, uh, more common types of chronic inducible urticaria, including cholinergic urticaria. Um, Sabina, uh, we, we work at a university hospital, Charité, and uh, like many other university hospitals, we are uh, severely underfunded and yeah. always looking for grants to support our research. Okay, here I am, theoretical situation, and I'm going to give you 10 million dollars, but you must invest it into cholinergic urticaria research, which you would do anyway um, if I gave you $10 million. What are you going to spend them on? What is that one project that will give you the missing puzzle piece to develop a better understanding, a complete understanding, and based on this new understanding, a cure for cholinergic urticaria? Yeah, I think the, the patients really are not so well understood. So I think we, one would really need a, a big uh, study, probably also from um, a lot of different centers all over the world, actually, because maybe it's also different if you're a patient here in Europe or if you're a patient somewhere else, for example, in Japan or somewhere in South America, maybe this also makes a difference. So we would really need uh, a bigger study with a lot of patients that are really closely characterized, I think, and not only clinically characterized, not only how old they are and how severely they are affected, but also taking samples of these patients, taking uh -huh. blood samples and taking skin samples of these patients to really look what is happening in the skin. I think that would be the key to really make a big step forward to better understand the disease and to really have a bigger picture of these whole patients. Sounds like a great strategy, Sabina. So if any one of our listeners has uh, uh, those $10 million sitting at home and here's where to invest, this exactly. is uh, something that we really need to get done. Sabina, um, thank you so much. Uh, you helped us to understand cholinergic urticaria um, I'll leave I'll leave it to you to uh, maybe uh, either let our colleagues know um, the one word of wisdom that you want them to walk away with from this episode or or our patients. I know that many patients are listening to our podcasts 
uh, or both. Sabina, the, the last word is yours. Yeah, so my last word actually would be that patients and also physicians should not kind of give up on this disease. So very often I hear that um, patients tell me, uh, physicians told them, oh, there's nothing you can do about the disease. So you just have to live with it. And um, I think the really for me, the take home message for you all would be to don't give up on this disease. There are people outside in the world, they are working on this disease and um, never give up and really try to find people who are interested in, in doing research and also trying new therapies for the disease. And um, I think we will make progress here and there will be new solutions coming up for these patients. Thank you for your optimism, Sabine. Thank you for your dedication. You never give up to um, uh, crack that puzzle no go at it and uh, if you're as successful as you have been over the last years i'm sure at the end uh, we will come out with a treatment and hopefully a cure never give up that's uh, what you cares live by if you need the help of a uticaria center of reference and excellence uh, please do reach out to us uh, we are at www.galen with a two after the a and before the l minus youcare.com and do tune in to another episode of all things urticaria thank you very much sabine thank you very much for listening medthority would like to thank marcus maurer for that fascinating insight into you care if you have any other questions regarding urticaria please feel free to ask us via our website www.medthority.com Remember to tune in for the next episode of All Things Urticaria. From all of us at All Things Urticaria from Medthority, have a lovely week.